Welcome to our GovCon podcast. This is John Yor. I'm a partner at Cherry Beckert. Uh, this is our second in a series on the SBA AA program. Uh, I joined Susan Mosier here today. She is uh, a partner at our firm, but also the leader of our uh, firm's GovCon industry group. And uh, always great to, to have uh, a chance to listen to Susan. So today we're going to talk, our, our initial podcast that we did was on the eligibility of getting into the AA program and what is needed and required. Uh, we went over some of the basics, uh, such as being disadvantaged economically and disadvantaged socially and what that meant. Also the thresholds that, that owners needed to fall under and businesses need to be, needed to be under. Um, today, we're going to talk about the application process, actually getting into the, the program, and that's called being certified by, by SBA. Um, and so I'll just kick off a, a couple quick uh, check the box items, and then I'll turn it over to Susan, and she'll go into a little more detail on what they might mean specifically. Um, so initially, when you're looking at getting into the 8A program, go to certify.sba.gov, and there's an application checklist that you can kind of go through and kind of gather the documents you need before you start this application process. Um, before you begin, you also need to go get what's called a DUNS number, that's D-U-N-S, and this is uh, through the DUNS Request Service. This is, it stands for Data Universal Numbering System. And the government uses that number for the other part of your application. After you receive your DUNS number, you then go to SAM.gov. It's SAM.gov. And that's the System for Award Management, where you create an account. You use your DUNS number to do that, uh, which is why you need to do that first. And uh, this usually takes several days. But then once you are in that system, you can then go create an account on certify.sba.gov, which is the portal that SBA uses for uh, the 8A application process. So once you're in certify, you are then ready to begin your, your application process with, with uh, the SBA. Um, so when you get to certify, you set up your login, uh, password, you can upload documents there. The whole, the whole application process is in that portal. Um, so you don't need to do this all in one setting, but you do need to prepare for it. You can save and come back to certain sections, but you can't go forward through the program until you've uploaded or filled out certain information. Um, you can also do this yourself. Generally, um, most of our clients will do it themselves. The owners will do it because they have the, the best access to the information, personal information that's needed. Um, but you can hire another uh, someone else to, to do that for you. Um, we will, uh, you know, generally that will just happen. It's designed so the owners can do it themselves so that you don't have to incur an extra cost. Um, so I'll turn the time over to Susan, take us a few, few details uh, about the application and what exactly is required. Okay, thanks, John. Hi, everyone. Um, so uh, in our first podcast, we did talk more about the the overall uh, 8A program and uh, what a great program it can be. Um, as we mentioned, it is the most rigorous in terms of the application and compliance once you're in the program. A um, couple things, as John mentioned, have been simplified. It is an all online application. It is all, there are only two uh, locations at the SBA that do uh, evaluate the, the 8A applications now. So it is centralized, which we think that's uh, that's a good thing. Um, so basically, the application is broken down into five sections. So those sections are, there's a number of questions and information regarding eligibility. Are you eligible and the documentation that you qualify for the program? There is a section on ownership. 
uh, you must meet the requirements. And again, I'll get into a few details on that. Um, it's going to require you to provide a lot of information, upload a number of documents on the ownership of the company. The next section is on control. So part of what the SBA wants to really make sure is that the the uh, the owners upon whom the eligibility is based, and those would be those disadvantaged individuals, that they are really running and controlling the company. So there's quite a number of questions and information uh, on that. They're going to ask you questions about your potential for success. So prior tax returns, financial statements to show, you know, are you a viable business that is going to be successful? Um, and then they're going to ask questions about character. Um, are you allowed to do business with the government? Um, so it's, it is organized into those five sections. Um, again, I think they've done a really pretty good job with this uh, certified.sba.gov. Um, under the eligibility, um, they are going to ask questions about your social disadvantage and your economic disadvantage. So um, just to remind everyone, the social disadvantage um, requires the 8A programs are required to be at least 51% unconditionally owned, controlled, and managed by socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. The SBA has determined that certain groups are presumed to be socially disadvantaged. Um, so those are Asian Pacific Americans, Black Americans, Hispanic Americans, Native Americans, and subcontinent Asian Americans. Um, if you are a Native American, there are some additional requirements for you to uh, show proof that you are a member of a federally or nationally recognized um, tribe. If you're not a member of one of those groups, you can still claim the disadvantaged status, uh, but it is a higher bar. You do have to be, it is based on a preponderance of evidence. So the most common question we get is a woman-owned business. So there is a woman-owned uh, small business certification. This is different. In order for a woman-owned that is not one of those um, groups that I mentioned, you would have to demonstrate and provide specific examples, including names, dates, where discrimination has occurred and that it's been chronic and substantial. So um, it does ask sections and it does allow for you to provide that information, um, but it is, um, it is fairly lengthy. Um, in order for you to demonstrate that, you definitely want to be um, robust in your complete, in your answers. On the economic disadvantage, um, you are going to provide uh, financial information. Um, I'll go into that in a little bit more detail. Um, it used to be that you submitted a personal financial statement, um, a, a separate form. Now that is all part of the online application. Um, it is going to ask you to list your personal assets um, uh, and along with some other documents. When you get into the ownership section, um, basically what they're looking for is depending on the type of entity that you are, you are going to be asked to provide um, evidence of the ownership of the company. So if you are a corporation, um, you're going to be asked to provide articles of incorporation, bylaws, um, stockholder board minutes, stock certificates. Um, if you're an LLC, it's going to be a little bit different. Articles of incorporation, um, operating agreements, um, et cetera. 
Um, so depending on the type of entity, you are going to have to provide all of that information. Again, demonstrating that you um, have ownership. One of the things I wanted to mention, if you reside in a community property state, you, you need to provide some different information. So, John, I'm confused about this often. What is a what states are community property states? Yeah, great question. Um, so currently there are nine states that are in uh, community property states. It's based on the the legal structure they they operate under, and that is those are Arizona, California, Idaho, Louisiana, uh, Nevada, New Mexico, Texas, Washington, and Wisconsin. Um, and and with the community property, basically the uh, SBA is looking at can the the disadvantaged spouse do they own at least 51 percent of this business and with community property uh things get a little more complex and so if you're one of those states you want to have an advisor help you with but basically there's a a process called transmutation which is essentially a, a prenuptial agreement where you agree that the the disadvantaged spouse the one presumably who has the business owns that business more than 51%. And that's what the SBA is looking for here in the community property states. Okay, great. I always, that question always comes up and I wasn't sure which states were, were property, um, uh, community property states. So um, so in the, in the ownership section, um, it is going to ask for information on prior change of, you know, change of name, change of legal status, has the company changed in the last two years? Um, they're also going to ask you questions about buy-sell agreements, shareholder agreements. So again, um, it's really to, to demonstrate that you as the owner are in control of the business. Um, they are going to ask questions and you're going to be asked to provide information on, um, so the owner upon whom the eligibility is based must own, you know, 51% or more of the company. Um, you can have other shareholders that don't meet this requirement. Um, if any of those organizations that have more than a 10% um, ownership, you are going to have to provide some information. They are also going to be interested in, there are some restrictions on the percentage that an individual can have that has another 8A company. Um, so there's a number of things that you're going to be asked to um, to provide there. Um, again, I mentioned um, buy sell agreements. Um, they're going to ask you if you have interest in other entities. So the the SBA is going to require that you devote 100% of your time to this business. Um, so they're going to ask you to provide any information on other entities that you own or affiliation. So again, they're trying to determine, are there other entities that are really, or other people that are really running the company or having influence other than just the person upon whom eligibility is based? So they're gonna ask for quite a bit of information on, um, on the, um, the control issue. Um, after the, information on control, they're going to ask, they're going to ask questions regarding potential for success. So um, generally speaking, you must be in business for two years. There is a waiver that you can seek. Um, that waiver, um, you would have to demonstrate your ability to, to succeed. You must have revenue. If you have not generated any revenue, you need to wait until you do to uh, apply for the program. 
So in the section for potential for success, that's where they're going to ask for a lot of information. They're going to ask for your prior three tax returns, including all schedules, your federal return. You don't need to supply your state returns. You're going to um, ask, be asked to submit interim uh, and year-end balance sheets and profit and loss statements, uh, including accounts payable agings, accounts receivable agings. They're going to ask you to submit loan documents. So do you have access to capital? Uh, do you have resources? And if you don't, and a lot of companies don't, that's fine. Um, but if you do have them, you do need to provide them. If your business requires some type of a special license, so obviously we're an accounting firm. If it was a CPA firm, you'd have to provide your CPA license or an engineering firm. Um, they are going to ask you to list all of your current and past federal and non-federal awarded contracts. So Again, you don't have to have won an 8A a government contract in order to get approved for the program, um, but you should list sources of revenue. Um, so those are all going to be important documents that you're going to want to include in the potential for success. And Susan, if we can ask a question really sure. quick. Um, so sometimes we get some, some some smaller companies coming in and we're looking at the financials and maybe retained earnings doesn't roll over to the next year correctly or the balance sheet isn't balanced. How big of an issue is that when we're when they're applying for the 8A program? Yep. So that's a good question. So if you're not and look, lots of small businesses when you first started out, you know, they're you're doing your your accounting, your tax, you know, bookkeeping in-house. Um and so, and that's okay. It's a good idea to have somebody that is um, that is familiar with, you know, financial statements to look at, take a look at your financial statements, because to the extent that something looks out of whack, if you do have losses, part of the application, you do have the opportunity to explain things. And so, um, you know, there's usually can be a very valid story and you can have losses and that doesn't mean that you won't be um, that you won't be approved for the program, but there should be a reason for that. Um, and and, um, you know, one of the other things they're going to ask for is what's the what's the salary of the owner and back to the control issue. Um, the SBA wants to see that, again, the person upon whom the eligibility is based is running the company. So there used to be a sort of a, a an assumption that that person would be the highest paid, but we know that that's not really always the case because lots of times business owners make decisions to not pay themselves salary because they have critical hiring needs that they uh, need to make, and so they sort of sacrifice their own financial, um, um, you know, paying themselves to pay other people. And so um, again, that's okay. It's just um, you want to be complete in explaining. In explaining that, um, the the last section is on care. It, it deals with character, and you know, obviously, the government wants to contract and do business with people that have high, you know, integrity. Um, so there are a number of things that they're going to ask for. One of the things they're going to ask for is, have you been debarred or suspended from doing business with uh, the government? And uh, the Department of Labor under the Office of Federal Contract Compliance does maintain a list of 
of companies and individuals who are barred, basically prohibited from doing business with the government. And typically that's, they had some type of an issue. So they will ask for that type of a certification. Um, just as a side note, once you are in the ADA program, anybody that you're going to potentially subcontract, you always want to check that list. It's, it's public information. Um, in the character section, they are also going to ask about any outstanding obligations that you may have, you know, delinquent tax returns, loans, things like that. Um, you know, you definitely want to be forthcoming and complete in your response. Um, you know, I, I would say generally speaking, and I'm sure John would agree, is you don't want to apply for the 8A program if you haven't filed your tax return. So you definitely need <laughs> to do that. <laughs> if you, um, if you uh, have a... Uh, an outstanding balance, maybe that's a different story. Again, you need to show that you're there's a you know payment plan or something in place. Um, if there are any lawsuits or anything like that, again, um, they will ask you to provide that information, and so um, you want to make sure that you do include that. Um, they will also ask about um, prior bankruptcies, and again, um, having a prior bankruptcy is not an automatic reason for being turned down. Um, but providing a complete picture of that is, um, is certainly, um, important. You know, one of the things that, um, I mentioned in our previous, um, podcast was it, it's really important that when you apply for the 8A program, um, you meet the requirements in fact and appearance. So, um, you want to make sure that all of this documentation that you're uploading and submitting is consistent with the story that you're telling and painting, that your website doesn't say something different, that some of these documents don't say something different um, in terms of um, in terms of your your role or uh, you know issues with the with the company. Um, the few th other things that you're going to need to submit. Um, one of the things that's confusing for a lot of companies is um, when you do provide the the personal financial information, so again, they, the SBA used to have a form. They don't anymore. It's all done um, online. Um, but they are going to ask for a list of your all of your current all of your assets at fair market the fair market value of those. If you own the company, just say you own 100% of the company and you're married and you're not in a communal, let's just assume you're not in a community property state. If all of your other assets are jointly owned by you and your spouse, you only need to list 50% of that value, that fair market value, but they are going to ask um, on the initial for information on your spouse. Um, because again, they're trying to make sure that you may have a situation, and, and this could be a, a perfectly valid situation, but you may have a situation where um, the uh, house is owned in both of your names, but the debt on it is only in, in one or the other. If that's the situation, again, they're going to ask for information on that. Um, so they are going to ask for a number of uh, information on uh, yourself as a disadvantaged individual, including, again, citizenship as a requirement. They're going to ask for evidence of, of that. Um, so a lot of documentation is going to be required. Um, we're not going to go through every single piece. One of the things, the, the SBA, um, they have done a pretty good job on their website of providing um, 
uh, a lot of details in terms of the individual documents. Um, so, John, I know a lot of people do get turned down. They don't initially get approved for their um, for the first uh, first go around. So maybe talk a little bit about what are some of the reasons that um, that companies don't get approved initially. Yeah, great question. Uh, and the SBA is actually trying to uh, cut down on the amount of denials that they have to send out. And so they've actually published the top 10 reasons why an AA application is rejected. So we'll go through the greatest hits here uh, quickly. Um, start at the bottom, number 10, um, having outstanding federal tax obligations or failing to show that those obligations are satisfied. Um, so any federal debt, whether it's a student loan or a, or a tax uh, amount due, if you're not on a payment plan and you have those outstanding debts, that will disqualify your, your application uh, right off the bat. Um, number nine, where there's an obvious front, obvious uh, setup by someone who is not eligible for the program, who is trying to use someone else that otherwise would be eligible for the program. And um, they say they usually catch these when they don't. They usually, um, after a couple years in the program, are, are eventually revealed. And uh, that's, that's a bad situation for everyone involved. Um, number eight is showing uh, control or potential to control by a non-disadvantaged individual or, or or company. And a lot of times this gets mixed up, like Susan was saying, where someone else is providing financing or maybe even leased space or equipment uh, to to this disadvantaged individual because the SBA is worried about leverage that they might have on that individual because they're letting them use their equipment or space or financing, et cetera. And this can be a former employer, even a parent or a friend or somebody. Um, so the, number seven, not submitting any evidence to prove uh, the social disadvantage. Um, you know, as Susan mentioned, there are some that are presumed to be disadvantaged, but if you're not there, you need to prove that uh, you were disadvantaged. And not just that the prejudice occurred, but that it was the reason why you were disadvantaged in the situation. Number six, not devoting full-time hours, as, as Susan mentioned. Um, you need to show that you are working at this full-time. Uh, number five, uh, submitting unreliable or incomprehensible financial statements. And that gets back to what Susan was saying also, where maybe you submit financials, but they're not, they don't make sense. They don't tie. They're not, uh, they're not what the SBA is looking for because they have to, they have to be assured that uh, you are going to be successful. They want, they want to make sure that they can uh, at least have a pretty good feel for that. Uh, number four, not submitting business financial statements at all. Uh, just thinking your tax returns are enough. Number three, submitting incomplete tax returns. And that, as Susan mentioned, that falls under the not submitting tax returns at all uh, bucket. So this is both for personal and for your business returns. They both need to be filed correctly and on time. Uh, number two, not providing corporate information. This is uh, stock certificates, meetings, minutes, et cetera. And sometimes we have small businesses and they say, hey, we, you know, we're small business. We haven't done that yet. Do I really need to? Uh, yeah, you do. For the for this SBA program, you need to have these done and and your business attorney can handle that for you. And the number one reason for not for being denied an application is not submitting supporting documents, just filling out the form and certify and not uh, not submitting anything else. Uh, apparently, this happens every day. And uh, the number one reason why they get denied. So great. So, uh, you know, I know uh, there, there is a lot to this application. And, um, you know, as I mentioned, it is meant to be done uh, where the, you know, the business owners can do it themselves. Um, 
but it certainly is good if you do need help. You know, uh, there certainly is help, uh, you know, available, whether it's uh, it's our firm or or someone else to at least look over what you intend to submit um, to make sure that it is accurately presenting your business. And if there are, um, you know, blemishes or questions that you fully address those in your in your application. Um, so with that, we will uh, we will call this a wrap um, in our next podcast on the 8A program. We will talk about what happens after you get uh, initially after you get accepted into the program, because there's a whole lot of things that happened right after you you get certified um, that lead up to ultimately the goal, which is winning your first contract. So uh, we hope this was informative. And uh, for more information on other matters of interest to government contractors, you can certainly uh, check out our website, cbh.com, and um, listen for more um, topics in the near future on the 8A program. Thank you.